Welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. I'm Laurel Thompson, and today we're going to be diving into another interview, this time with Patty Kusterock and Canadian Fiddlers Part 2. Patty has been diving into her own project this year. It's called 365 Days of Fiddle Tunes and can be found on YouTube. Her YouTube channel is Fiddle Chick Patty, and Patty is spelled with an I. You can also go to her website, pattycusterock.com. Patty Kusterock is spelled P A T T I K U S T U R O K, pattycusterock.com. The 365 Days of Fiddle Tunes project is quite impressive. And the thing is, I think that 365 Tunes is really only scratching the surface of Patty's repertoire. She's been winning fiddle contests since she was a child, including the Canadian Grandmasters Fiddling Championship in Ottawa. And she is in high demand for her concerts, for her teaching, which she does both in workshop and camp format, as well as in person and online via Skype. She has new numerous albums out, great albums, and has recorded on many other people's albums. And she's also sought after for judging fiddle contests throughout North America. I think the aspect that impresses me most about Patty's playing is her incredible command of her instrument. She really makes it look easy. Particularly, she is a master at conservation of motion. When you see her performing, and hopefully you'll check out her YouTube channel and maybe even see her perform live someday, um, you might notice, as I have, that she's just breezing through these fast and furious and flashy fiddle tunes, you know, as well as slower tunes, but um, particularly thinking about the fast ones, (laughs) Uh, with just such ease and minimal motion. And it's really a testament to this idea that if we kind of get the technique side out of the way and use the least amount of effort possible as far as technique goes, then we can really open ourselves up to certainly um, playing faster. And I think back to students who have lamented that over the years and how much bow they might have been using. Um, But also, you know, it really opens us up to really the music making aspect and, you know, how you want to sound. And we can focus all of our attention on that and not you know, the bow stroke and the finger movement and whatnot. It's been a pleasure to get to know Patty a bit and do this interview with her. And if you're listening on a device and not driving where you might want to go check out her website and or YouTube channel, please go right ahead and peruse that. Otherwise, set aside some time later on to do that. And for now, just sit back and enjoy the interview. Hello, Patty Kustrock, and welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. How's it going today? It's going great, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And tell me where you are right now. I am in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, We're just starting our fall season here and the leaves are (laughs) either beautiful colors or on the ground already and you can feel the chill in the air. So it's, it's getting cool. Wow. So I imagine that living there, there's a lot of people that that want to play fiddle or other instruments. And I know you teach a lot and and uh, do you think that there's something about that, having such a long winter, people wanting to take up hobbies and, and uh, become, become musicians? I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, we have such a rich culture of, of fiddling here in, in central Canada. Uh, it, it's carried on through generations of, of people. So uh, that's what they would do in the winter times. They'd have friends over and they'd have kitchen parties and the wood stove would be going and there'd be tons of musicians and lots of food and just great time. So yeah, it all goes hand in hand for sure with, with the weather. And then of course in the summers, I mean, we like to play outside and do, you know, more outdoorsy things with our instruments. But yeah, I think definitely winter people people hunker down and they want to buckle down and learn something and, and commit to something for a length of time. So it's great. And you've really committed to quite the project this last year, your your 365 days of fiddle tunes. What prompted you to get that started? And and um, I mean, that's quite a project. Uh, well, a friend of mine, uh, well, you know, kind of a Facebook friend, Vi Wickham from Colorado, did it a few years ago, and I was following along with him, and I thought, what a neat idea that was. And I kind of pondered about it for a couple of years, and then when January 1st this year rolled around, I was sitting at the house, and I had my fiddle, and I thought, I'm going to try this, and 
see how it goes. And there's something about committing publicly to something that keeps mm-hmm. you honest. So uh, today I just did, I think it was 268 or 260, somewhere in there. Uh, very, <laughs> I, I know I hit 265 earlier this week because I, I said, oh, 100 days to go. So right. um, yeah, it's, it's been going well and, and uh, it keeps me making sure I play every day. Uh, uh, sometimes I do have to pre-record just because I'm out of town and sure. have no Wi-Fi to upload. But um, other than that, I mean, it's just a great way to stay playing every day, at least one tune, you know? Right. And I, I mean, you're well over halfway there now, um, like you're saying. So have you found that you've had to kind of dig a little deeper for tunes that maybe you forgot about? Or are you finding new tunes? Or is the well just like bottomless and you just kind of keep going with with new fiddle tunes well it it i was thinking the other day that i'm looking at tunes i have this huge collection of sheet music that i've become, uh, accumulated over the years and mm-hmm. um uh, tunes in my head I, I learned a lot by ear so there's there's always tunes swimming around so mm-hmm. at this point the well is still considered pretty endless because yeah. i haven't even i feel like i haven't even scratched the surface of, of my repertoire but wow. I mean it's not always tunes that I play all the time so I am digging and uh, sometimes relearning and sometimes I'll just feel brave and I'll open a book that I've never played before and um, luckily some classical training when I was young and enables me to sight read quite well so yeah. I'll just pick a tune and say that looks like fun and try that one so sure. I'm, I'm always adding new stuff so uh, I don't think I'll ever run out at least not this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder after doing such a project, like if it would leave the, leave this huge void after the year is up and it's like, oh, maybe I'll just do another year. Or if it's like, oh, I'm so done with that project. I guess you won't know until you well, get there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both, I think. Part of me wants to continue and just see how long I can do it for. Sure. And then another part of me thinks, you know, it'll be nice not to have to worry about doing it every day. So yeah. very still out on what I'm going to do once December 31st rolls around. And it's, a, I mean, you know, I've watched quite a few of them and, you know, it's, I know it's a lot to set up the a video camera and, you know, to do the, I mean, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's definitely a process to get the whole thing recorded and uploaded and out there. And so it does take, you know, some extra, some extra time that, you know, could, it go, does. To, could go to something else down, down the road, but, um, yeah, it's what an awesome project. I mean, um, just sharing and, and like you said, committing every day to, to something, to share something. Um, are there any like favorite tunes that you've come across uh, in your time doing it so far? Uh, well, as far as tunes, I, I'm also getting people sending me tunes that they've written saying, what okay. do you think of this? Do you think you'd play this on your 365 days? And, That's and cool. there's some really good tunes. And, and um, I'm also discovering some, I, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing in a lot of the quote unquote standards or Canadian fiddle standards, but I'm also um, trying to promote other fiddle players that, you know, might not have a, a platform that they're doing like this, that they can't get their tunes out. So um, some are better than others, of course, but um, the other thing I get is a lot of requests for, oh, it's my dad's and mom's anniversary can, and they watch every day. Can you mm-hmm. please send a tune out to them? So um, there's always something and, and I'm terrible at keeping track of stuff. <laughs> I just have little scraps of paper and I've you know started a list on my iPhone and and trying to keep things straight but I don't always you know get everything done that I'm supposed to do but um what I really enjoy with with it is with all the traveling that I've done this year this is actually the year I've traveled the most musically and I bring in other people whether it's students at fiddle camps or fellow teachers or different performers different accompanists that I meet and um, it, it's great just to do that. When Dan was visiting in Winnipeg with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he did one with me and it, it's great to just bring friends together and do it. So the whole process is just win-win for me. It's a lot of fun. And probably just been like this, this really, f- this real feeling of community building and, and, um, probably broader connection too, I imagine, which is really awesome. It is. And, and people are, um, hearing of me that might not have heard of me before. Um, back in when I was, you know, a teenager in my early 20s, people were buying our recorded music a lot. And nowadays, mm-hmm. with the free music on the internet, 
they're not. So I thought, well, let's capitalize on it and give away all this music for free and, you know, get my name out there. And I, right. I am getting, you know, calls for gigs in different places that I've never been before by people that have never heard of me before. So that's um, awesome. It, it's really turning out well. That's, that's really awesome. Where's maybe the furthest away place so far that, that you've connected with someone? Uh, well, I've got a student that signed up that found my, my, she was searching out a certain tune and found my version of it mm-hmm. and uh, did some research on me and she's up in Alaska. So now oh, I have cool. a student on Skype in Alaska. So, I mean, it's little things like that that, yep. that kind of make it worthwhile, you know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, you were talking about sometimes sharing other people's tunes. And it seems to me, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it seems to me that the, the Canadian, you know, Canadian fiddling seems to have a lot of, I guess we could call it fresh blood coming coming in. And I don't know if I see that as much done in the States, or maybe I'm just not aware of it. It seems like there's a lot of like, you know, traditional tunes down here, which I'm sure there are in Canada as well, that just kind of keep getting recycled. But um, is that true? Is I mean, I know that, um, you know, you've um, judged different competitions and, and won quite a few. We can talk about that later. But um, is there like a lot of people playing new, what we call like new fiddling up there? Oh, definitely. There's, um, you know, there's fiddlers that are composing tunes. Like, um, I believe you're familiar with Calvin Ballrath. He's, yeah. you know, a real modern day fiddle composer. He's a He's a traditional style fiddler, Canadian fiddler, but he writes great tunes and um, some of them are funkier than others and some of them are, uh, you know, a little more, he would call them rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) They aren't, you know, your traditional Métis style that he would normally play. But um, yeah, he writes these great tunes for people and places and he captures their spirit and um, he's just one of them. I mean, John Arcand, we call him the master of the Métis fiddle here in Canada and He's won the uh, the Order of Canada and the Governor General's Award, and he's still writing new fiddle tunes and playing all the old Métis tunes that his dad used to play as well. And um, I mean, most fiddle players that I do know are writing new tunes, and, and mm-hmm. um, some of them are getting played, some of them aren't. But if you go to a competition, you'll hear a lot of the standards, but you'll also hear a lot of new stuff as well. Um, I've judged uh, down in, in Weezer, Idaho, for the Grand Nationals, back in, I think, well, it's a long time ago, 97. Mm-hmm. And you do tend to hear a lot of the same things. You hear Say Old Man, you hear Tom and Jerry, Sally Johnson, Sally Gooden, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're great tunes, but and everybody has their own little take on them, but it's the same tunes over and over for a whole week, pretty much. So mm-hmm. um, it's great to uh, continue on tradition like that. And it's also nice to hear new tunes peppered in there as well. So... Um, I think newer tunes keep younger people interested because, um, you know, maybe the older tunes that I grew up listening to that really excited me aren't as exciting for today's younger folks. I mean, people change, their tastes change as generations get older and and move on. But uh, I think we definitely need new music uh, in, in our genre because... Uh, we just need to keep young kids wanting to play and wanting to continue the tradition however we can. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking too, you know, with, I mean, just people traveling around the world now pretty easily and um, the internet, of course. And I mean, you know, kids now, they have such a ability just to listen to music from anywhere in the world, you know, with the click of a button pretty much. And so, you know, I'm wondering if maybe you've seen some of that newer fiddle music being more of an amalgamation of maybe different styles or I don't know. Um, Oh, definitely. I know um, people get inspired. They go to, we have a lot of these fiddle camps around Canada and um, they'll go to these fiddle camps and see the instructors performing all these tunes that they've written and then they'll get the bug and they'll say, to their friend, hey, let's go write a tune together. So, I mean, that's how it happens. You see other people do it and you get inspired to do it and, and it just sort of takes off like that. It snowballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, just had Calvin um, just just recently here and he was talking about that, you know, going to different places and then hearing a lot of certain types of music and then suddenly being, you know, 
some somehow a writer for that type of music that maybe never had happened mm-hmm. before or something. So that's, um, I mean, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, if people go and find your 365 days of fiddle tunes on YouTube and start watching, um, you know, they'll see a various, various selections, very, various types of fiddle tunes there that, you know, I think some may not have heard of. Like, I think most people, even if they're just pure classical people will probably have heard of a jig and, you know, we'll probably have heard of a reel and a waltz certainly. But uh, I was just noticing some that I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like the two-step and a breakdown and some of these types of tunes that they might not be familiar with. Sure. In, well, where we are, we play for a lot of old time dances Mm -hmm. and it's, literally a big hall, sometimes in a small town, sometimes in the middle of nowhere on a highway out in the country. And uh, people from neighboring communities all come out and there's, there's a real circuit of them around, around at least Manitoba for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we play for a lot of these dances. So our music's very danceable. And a, like a two-step, for instance, is similar to a polka. So mm-hmm. it's it's a type of tune. It's a faster tune. They're in two, four time. And you would dance a, a polka step to that, for instance, whereas a waltz, you would dance a waltz step. Right. And um, as far as breakdowns go, uh, we have reels, breakdowns, uh, hoedowns. They're all kind of interchangeable. They're okay. all pretty much the same thing. They're they're in two four time, usually written, you know, in sixteenth notes and um, in different, you know, keys. Of course, we you know stay in the, the fiddle keys A B G maybe C and F and B flats as well. But um, so yeah, two steps in polkas. I'd say um, the slight difference between those two would be um, polkas are usually more noty. There's a lot more notes in them, whereas two steps are, um, they're almost like a halftime polka, if that makes sense, okay. <laughs> note-wise. So it's... Uh, they're just less noty, but I mean, really catchy melodies a lot of times too, and um, usually just two parts to them. Sometimes polkas have two or three parts, and um, I think that kind of stems from the Ukrainian style of polka. We have that. We have lots of Ukrainians here, so um, Ukrainian polkas usually have three parts, and each part is in a different key. So hmm. if we have the first part in F. The second part would be in B flat, maybe, and then we'd go back to the F part, and then we have a third part in C. So hmm. and then we'd go back to the F part. So, okay. um, yeah, they can be involved, like the clarinet polka. You know, people some people play it in A, um, A E and D, or they'll play it in G, uh, D and C. Hmm. And would, so it's, it's that kind of thing. And would each of those parts, those three parts, be pretty distinct musically from each other and just changing the key, basically, but like, you know, say similar rhythms and stuff, or would they be fairly different? The rhythms would be pretty similar. Uh, definitely the melodies would be different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then when the key changes, uh, like usually... When a key change kind of signifies a different energy in the, in the tune. I'm not mm-hmm. saying like it be sped up or anything, but it's just sort of you're always thinking about driving the dancers to to dance. So um, like maybe a key change would just give them a little ex, you know, they kind of perk up and say, "Oh, what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe dance a little higher or something. I don't know. Get but, a little uh, extra push. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but rhythmically they they'd be the same. There might be a couple little, you know, you might have some some longer notes in there just to kind of, yeah, like push it towards the, you know, some the swells finishing of it. Something. And then, yeah, yeah it's, it's also very, it's very percussive too. It's, hmm. you know, we, we play them with uh, kind of a backbeat. We kind mm-hmm. of swing everything we play and we don't really play much straight. So yeah. um, it's all about making the dancers want to dance. Hmm. Yeah, I notice in listening to, you know, getting more familiar with Canadian fiddle, the fiddle sound, which has only been the last couple of years, really, um, there's a certain, I would say, kind of bounciness to it. And, and it would be like bow technique, I would say, but then also melodies. It seems like a lot of the tunes have a little bit more like arpeggiated melodies and stuff. Would that, is that true? Does does that sound about right? Or <laughs> Oh, definitely. We, okay. we always, when we teach at camps, we 
kind of say fiddle tunes are made up of two things, either scale notes or arpeggio notes. Right. <laughs> some kind of a, of a combination of both. So um, I was just teaching a tune last night, and I think the whole first part was 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 uh, arpeggios. You know, it was an arpeggio in D, and then an arpeggio in G, and then back to an arpeggio in D, and an arpeggio in A. Yeah. And that was the tune, you know, it was a... Uh, life in the Finland woods it was so I think people actually play that in the states too so people might uh, recognize that but when you break it down it's it's scales and arpeggios yeah definitely yeah and it makes sense like what you're saying for for getting people to dance I mean with that more bouncy sound you know whether it's Mm -hmm. melodies or rhythms or both hopefully um yeah obviously you know it sounds more like you just want to get up you want to bounce you know (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and as a result, I think the melodies are a little simpler. Mm-hmm. So um, when we are playing, we play, you know, each team maybe for a couple minutes. And, yeah. uh, you know, if the dancers don't get tired, then we just kind of keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't want anything that's, you know, too taxing to play for a long period of time. Sure. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, you know, down in California, it seems like there's a lot of um, Irish music around. There's a lot of oh, people yeah. that like to go to, you know, like a Kaylee sort of thing, you know, that they'll have these sessions and stuff. And I don't know if that music was quite as intimately connected to the dancing that you're talking about. Um, I'm not an expert, but um, but it seems a little bit more kind of driving, you know, and less bouncy. So Anyway, just kind of interesting to to think yeah, about the origins sure. of all these things, right? Yeah, and they all, it's great to, to get together with people of different styles too and, and trade tunes and, and trade styles and, you know, play the tunes with your own twist to it. So yeah. I think that's how a lot of the tunes get passed around. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, and probably um, changed quite a lot as they pass around the world. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so looking at your site here, I'm reading this staggering list of competitions that you've won, um, as well as the, I guess, being the first woman to ever win the Canadian Grandmasters Championship. Is that right? Yes. That's yeah, pretty awesome. In, uh, yeah, it, it was quite the experience. I competed since day one in the contest. And okay. um, I'd always made the top 11. You pick up, they pick 11 the top 11 out of all the contestants and then they play in the finals and then they rank them all. So I always made the top 11 and I think I cracked the top three once. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I won it one year and I, it was like that Ikea commercial, like start the car, start the car. I didn't think it, I thought they'd made a mistake because <laughs> I didn't thought how in the world would I win this? Like it's such great fiddle players. And then, huh. um, then it happened again. And then the third time. So <laughs> it was pretty thrilling for sure. And, um, yeah, being the first woman and also the first person from Western Canada to have won it uh, was, an, was an awesome feeling as well. And it's in Ottawa, right? Uh, it has been uh, exclusively in Ottawa for the uh-huh. first oh, 20 years, I guess. Okay. And then a few years ago, somebody in Saskatoon decided that, uh, you know, why don't we try and um, move it around, move it around the country. Sure. Maybe some committees somewhere would want to have it again. So. Um, Saskatoon put a bid in to have it and, and they did and it was hugely successful and uh, but it went back to Ottawa again and then just this year we went to Moncton, New Brunswick and again it was a sellout crowd and it was just a huge success and then next year um, we're going to Alberta so okay. it's, it's yeah it's kind of gaining momentum as well as, as we get into different places people want uh, people might have thought, oh, I'll never travel to Ottawa or from sure. D.C. or something just to watch it. But, hey, it's in Alberta. And, you know, it's only one province over. Maybe we'll go and see. And that's what they do. And then when they do, then they think, well, it's not so bad. Maybe I'll go everywhere it goes. So we, we've seen that happen as well. <laughs> people from all over, they'll just go wherever it is. You know, and it's, it's kind of nice to, to see familiar faces and new faces every year. Yeah. So what um, you said that you've been doing it you know, pretty much your whole life? Like you started when you were really young with with uh, doing the competitions? and Yeah, I started competing um, when I was about seven years old, I guess. I started okay. playing when I was four okay. Um, okay. and competing when I was seven. And, and back at that time, that was really all there was to do with the fiddle around here. Like there were dances, but, you know, I wasn't I was really too young to be playing for those kinds of things. Sure. And, 
Um, so as far as meeting other players and, and learning tunes, it was the contests, and they were all over. They were they were huge. I mean, they were some of them were three day events, and they would start on the Friday night with a dance, and then competition Saturday and Sunday, and then a dance every night, and you just go for the whole weekend and, yep. and have a blast. And then, um, unfortunately, this year, I mean, uh, we've lost uh, three contests in Manitoba, one of the biggest ones uh, hmm. being in Miami, Manitoba. Uh, that was one of my first contests in 1978. I, I competed there, and uh, this is the first year that they're not having it. The committee is just, I mean, they're all in their 80s, and, and it's a tiny town of, you know, maybe 150 people, and there's just nobody to take over the, the reins. So um, that's what happens. They die out. And yeah. it's, it's really sad. But um, there are a lot of people playing the fiddle, so um, that's not a danger of that dying out. But it's also the demographic of the fans are getting older and, and they're dying off. So um, the crowds are down and, and it's just, you know, it's not the competition isn't what it used to be out, out in Canada here, at least. Um, it, the numbers are dwindling, the, the, the butts in the seats are dwindling, and, mm. and unfortunately, you know, the players are running out of places to play. So that's, mm. that's what's really sad. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum, you know, saying that there's more people or just as many people, it sounds like playing fiddle now than there ever was, but then it's just the audience. I guess that's true for any sort of kind of acoustic genre, right? <laughs> We're all looking yeah, for the audience. Yeah, <laughs> and back to the question of, of you know, writing new music and, and injecting new music into the, the scene and, you know, maybe attracting younger people to the audience that might not have, you know, they might they might label as, oh, playing the fiddle, that's what my grandfather did. I don't want to go see a show of that, you know, but yeah. <laughs> if they see somebody like Calvin who's so dynamic on stage and, and writes these wonderful tunes, you know, that's that's, I mean, you don't have to just be a fiddle fan to enjoy his stuff. If he's just a fan of music in general, I mean, he has, he has, he has something for everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of prep would go into, you know, I mean, competing and possibly winning one of these competitions? Well, um, picking tunes, first of all, um, out here in a contest, we play a waltz, jig, and a reel, and we're starting to play a fourth tune called just a tune of choice, they refer to it okay. as, and um, so you get a time limit of, say, five minutes to, to get these four tunes in, and mm -hmm. um, so you would pick something, I mean, uh, when I teach students that are preparing for competitions, I like to pick tunes for them that are... Uh, in contrasting keys, maybe. So mm -hmm. not everything in A, not everything in D. So we might do a waltz in, uh, say, F, and then brighten it up and do a jig in, in A. And then maybe uh, you can even, you know, pick a reel in E minor or something or something that, you know, has some minor overtones to it. And, um, yeah, just kind of so that you're contrasting. And uh, you want to pick tunes that are are at your ability level. Um, I want to be able to, you know, push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone, but mm -hmm. you want to be comfortable on stage when you're, when you're getting up there and you don't want to be shaking and you don't want to be worried about whether you're going to hit that note that, right. <laughs> you know, getting 50% of the time at home. And um, you, just, you want to make sure that you can, you know, play the tunes in, in your sleep almost. So, um, just being prepared and, and practicing a lot, it's always good the one bit of advice that I would give students is listen to fiddle music. Listen to what you want to play because yeah. how else are you going to know what you want to sound like? And it's amazing. Um, I'll get calls for, for lessons from people and I'll say, well, okay, great. Who's your favorite fiddle player? Who do you like to, what style do you like? And they can't even name a single fiddle player. Wow. And it makes me wonder, you know, why do you want to take lessons? <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're taking hockey, if you're in hockey, I'm sure you can name one professional hockey player that you admire. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've watched a professional hockey game on TV or something. So um, why is music different? It yeah. baffles me sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I think it's in every style. I mean, you know, a lot of my classical students, it's like they, they've never listened to classical music or, you know, once they kind of, you know, maybe decide that's not for them, then it's like 
they don't know what other style the fiddle could even or the violin could even play in you know it's it's really interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh yeah <clears throat> you know it's just like yeah yeah listen to what you want to play that's amazing <laughs> you know common sense advice but you know um <laughs> yeah and you're um your son's a pretty awesome fiddler. I I wonder, um, was that something like he saw you playing and then at some point along the way he just decided he wanted to play or how did that come about? Well, with him, um, right from day one, I mean, I was bringing him along to the dances I was playing at. Um, I was bringing him to the camps I was teaching at and he, he loved the music and I always made sure um, since he was about four years old, three or four, that I had a fiddle in the house that fit him. So mm -hmm. if he wanted to play, he could play. I put him into some lessons and mm -hmm. I mean, he did his thing and um, then he might not play for a year. So I, I made sure it was my goal not to force him because mm -hmm. um, when, when I've, I've seen it before, when a parent is a professional fiddler, as soon as anybody meets the kid, it's like, Oh, are you going to play just like your mom or just right. like your dad? And, right. You know, and it's a lot of pressure. So I didn't ever want that to happen to him. And it, and it didn't, I, I don't think. So he um, he played and, and he would take it or leave it. And there was, you know, no pressure from me. And uh, we moved to Ottawa, uh, I think in 2003. And uh, in Ontario, there's just a whole lot of fiddle contests. And the fiddle scene is so big out there. So... Um, he really got bitten by the bug. Uh, hmm. He saw all the great fiddle players out there. And I put him in, I, I very rarely taught him on my own because uh -huh. <laughs> it was just too hard to teach your own. I, sure. I just found that, yeah, I mean, we both end up in tears for goodness sake. <laughs> 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 when you're teaching your own child, you know, you really want them to, to achieve something. And when they don't, it gets frustrating, you know, sure. or if it's just somebody coming for lessons, you just, okay, well, that's fine. We'll just do it at your own pace. But right. it, for some reason, it's feel like more pressure when it's your own kid. So I'd always put him into lessons with other teachers. And I put him into lessons in Ottawa with my friend, Cheryl. And um, she really, uh, you know, she was able to teach him some Irish stuff, which she seemed to really gravitate towards the Irish mm -hmm. and the Cape Breton style. So mm -hmm. Um, that he got, he fell in love with the French Canadian style. So um, today, I mean, he's got his own style. He doesn't really play anything like me. Although when we play together, our bows are the same. So I can't <laughs> figure that out. But um, but yeah, he's he's developed his own idols and um, his own style preferences, and it's he loves to play. You know, it's it's just part of him as much as it's part of me, and and I'm really glad that it worked out that way. Yeah, well, it was just such a pleasure visiting you guys and having him play on my violin, which like no one other than me ever plays on, but hearing him play on it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> he sounds so good. Fiddle tunes into it, did he? Yeah, you know, it's like hearing your instrument played by someone on a totally different style is really, it's really quite interesting, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, wow, that, oh, for sure. that voice is there too in that instrument. And yeah, so that was, that was quite a quite a pleasure that that I remember and um yeah yeah it's very cool um so tell us a little bit uh I know we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon just tell us a bit about uh your teaching and you've mentioned um teaching on Skype which um I'm curious how you came to that since I do that too and um and just the workshops and stuff that that people might be able to find you at in camps and and all that um well I I started teaching on Skype just, I don't know, I, I, I think I might have had um, some students when I was living, I moved around a bit for a few years and I think I had some students that, that really wanted to continue lessons, there was no other teachers locally for them, so, um, you know, we, Skype had just kind of come onto the scene and I said, well, why don't we try this and see what happens and it just seemed to work and then I thought, well, why don't I try to get more students on Skype? and um, just sort of put the word out. I mean, mm -hmm. social media is a great thing and, yep. and word of mouth and, uh, yeah, it's just been great. Um, when, when equipment functions well, it, it really works. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be a uh, bit flexible from time Skype to time. that we had last week wasn't uh, so great, but I know that was so frustrating. It, it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
just, you know, for myself being able to connect with people that otherwise, you know, maybe in such a remote place, they wouldn't have any access to a teacher. Um, exactly. That's been really awesome. And, and for someone who specializes like you, you know, I mean, someone who's in South America or somewhere, you know, that there, where there's no Canadian fiddle teachers, you know, if any fiddle teachers at all, yeah. it's like, you know, for them to really be able to specialize. I wish I had had that as a kid where I could have just really, you know, any style I would have been into just, you know, find a teacher and, and just go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And it doesn't even matter where you are. You can just hook up with anybody. So um, the, the possibilities are endless, literally. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great thing. And what about camps? I I've seen you on Facebook and stuff. Just seems like you've been crisscrossing all over the country this summer and going to different places. And what what kind of camps do you do you, do you teach at these days? Well, this year has been just crazy. It's been a lot of traveling and and not just camps, but performances too. I did mm -hmm. a little tour out in New Brunswick, out on the east, and. Um, I bring along Jeremy Rusu with me if I can, and mm -hmm. uh, he's always, you know, great to have along. He's a blind gentleman that's a musical genius, really. He plays yes. about a dozen instruments. But Amazing. Um, <laughs> as for camps that I teach, I've been teaching uh, out in BC at a camp in Castledar in the Kootenays, which is beautiful, and nice. um, teaching at Camp Calvin, Calvin Balras Camp in, yeah. in Alberta, and. Um, doing the John Arcan Fiddle Fest, which isn't quite a camp. It's, it's a whole weekend of, it's a fiddle festival. They have two days of workshops and they have all kinds of different cultural activities and um, they have competition, they have performances, uh, evening shows and uh, dancing and all kinds of stuff. So it's just a great weekend in Saskatoon. And then um, in June, I usually go out to the Cypress Hills in Alberta, southern part of Alberta, just right almost just over the Saskatchewan border, actually, um, to a place called the Hills Are Alive, it's called. It's a Métis cultural fest, and mm. um, they, they teach fiddling and jigging, and I'm one of the fiddle teachers, and they also teach stuff like uh, moccasin beading and, and capote making and cool. uh, bannock making and finger weaving and sash weaving. So it's really it's kind of a whole... Uh, Métis cultural experience, so nice. it's really cool to be part of that. We teach our, our classes in teepees, which is, <laughs> is really neat. So um, if the weather's good, it gets cool at night in June out in the hills there, but it's a lot of fun. So um, so yeah, I'm just doing a lot of traveling and uh, hoping to um, you know get a little more stuff closer to home in the in the future years, just because. I'm finding that the traveling is starting to burn me out a little bit. I put sure. um, 20,000 kilometers on my vehicle this year, just from May to the end of August. So wow. um, that's a lot of that's travel. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. No, so I feel it, you. It, when I get home, it's really nice to be home. So I've kind of um, padded my, my home teaching schedule a little bit and, and uh, almost doubled from last year, I think. So wow. um, I'm going to you know, try to maybe do that a little longer into sure. the, you know, into the late spring and, and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Just at least have that kind of closer to home downtime time. Sounds like you'll still be yeah. really busy, but. Because <laughs> I noticed you, when you're on the road, you teach Skype, your Skype lessons as you're on the road. And that, I'm in awe of that because I'm so darn tired <laughs> that I just think I can't even begin to even think about doing that. So yeah, well, I've, it's, it's sort of the, I guess the tour insurance, right. In case the, the shows aren't as well attended as we'd hoped or something. And, and it's like, well, right. at least I can fall back on these, you know, this kind of general income from these same students showing up every week and stuff. But yeah, it, it has burned me out a little bit on certain tours. And um, this year, you know, we've pretty much done um, four, about four weeks on the road at a time. And, and like one of those weeks I would just take off because it was just kind of too much. Um, mm you know, you need it at least one day off once in a while. So, yeah, yeah but, um, but it's been great. I mean, it's definitely been great overall. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a different world. You know, I'm sure you didn't expect that you'd be teaching on Skype when you were a kid. I mean, oh, no kidding. <laughs> like, yeah, what? we're going to no teach. 
Yeah. There, there was nothing really? for fiddle camps back then. It was really? listening to records and, and, you know, going to competitions, and that was it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, you had to kind of meet the people at the competitions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a website. It's pattycusterox.com. I know Custerox is not the easiest name to spell, so yeah. it's K-U-S-T-U-R-O-K. And, uh, yeah, I have the link to my YouTube, 365 Days on there, and the, uh, I have CDs available in the store on the website and my calendar and everything. And, yeah, that's a good place to start. Or if you just even Patty Fiddle, I think you might find me quite easily just and it's patty and I. <laughs> okay okay so patty and um you can get to your youtube and um we're gonna hear a song going out here i was wondering if you um had any story to share along with that song well the one that i would like you to play mm-hmm. is uh it's from my newest album called milestone and okay. i learned it from a fiddle player from Norway, I went and a friend of mine actually uh, moved from Saskatoon or from Saskatchewan to to Norway a few years ago. He did some. He used to play piano with Calvin Valrath. Actually, his name's Trent Bruner, and he mm. they went and did uh, some gigs out there. And he met this lady, and they fell in love, and they ended up getting married. And he moved to Norway, mm. and they have a family now. So um, he's still very rooted in his Canadian fiddle. He loved that's his first love. But um, I actually teach his daughter. Uh, Canadian fiddle. She takes hardanger fiddle and classical violin in Norway, but mm-hmm. uh, he has me teaching her on Skype uh, cool. the Canadian fiddle tune. So when cool. they come to visit, you know, she can fit right in here too. So that's yeah. really important to them. But um, when I went out to Norway, he had got us a few gigs. I brought Alex out with me, and um, we didn't do, I mean, a huge tour or anything. I think we had three two dates. It was more, you know, wow, let's go to Norway and get paid to do it, you know? So yeah. um, I met this fiddle player from northern Norway by the name of Reichenhild Surbotten. She was playing at a, at a uh, show that we were at, and she hmm. played this beautiful slow air that I just fell in love with and uh, had to learn it. Mm-hmm. And it's not really, you know, indicative of what I usually play, but I just thought it was so beautiful that, you know, I wanted to add it into my shows and record it and and yeah, it's become really popular and, and people are requesting it all the time. And uh, it's called Angansk Snil Man. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm not going to try and repeat that that name, but. Um. Yeah. <laughs> something like the, the, the gentle hearted man or something like the kind okay. man or something like that. Well, it's beautiful, and uh, I think that listeners will really enjoy hearing it. We've got this big, loud truck outside, too. There, That won't be showing up in the recording. <laughs> but um, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to have this little chat and for us to learn more about you and everything that you do. And I guess, is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners? Any Anything? Well, just, I mean, taking up music, putting your kids into music is probably the best decision you could make. Um, I've seen so many positive things come out of it in the years that I've been teaching and um, just, you know, just great success stories. It becomes people's best friends. So, Mm. um, and it doesn't matter what you're learning for. If you're learning to become a professional fiddle player, if you're learning to, you know, learn how to play happy birthday for your grandma on her birthday or something. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but um, it's just really uh, a fulfilling hobby and whatever instrument it is, it's um, some, you know, you'll never regret it. So yeah. uh, if you're ever one, and you're never too old to start either. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's something that I've learned. Definitely. So uh, yeah, just have fun with it and, and uh, you know, share the, the love of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so and much. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank you You're so welcome. much for having me, Laura. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure. And um, looking forward to seeing you again, hopefully before too long. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, awesome. We well, have a great day. You too. 
So again, you've been listening to the Violin Geek Podcast, and I'm Laurel Thompson. Thank you so much for downloading this interview and hopefully enjoying it. It was fun to listen back through our conversation and remember all the cool things we chatted about a few weeks ago. I do hope that you'll check out Patty's 365 Days of Fiddle Tunes on YouTube. Again, that was Fiddle Chick Patty and her website, pattycusterock.com. That's P-A-T-T-I-K-U-S-T-U-R-O-K. At one point, Patty was also Patty Lamoureux, so you can find her that way, um, some older videos and whatnot. Lamoureux is spelled L-A-M-O-U-R. E-U-X. And you can contact Patty through her site about any questions you might have, or if you'd like to take some fiddle lessons, or see where she's teaching next, or buy a CD, or whatnot. Um, she also has some uh, music books uh, that go along with her her CDs, and uh, you can check that stuff out if you want some new sheet music to play around with. So a wealth of information, both educational and inspirational, there to be found. Again, thank you so much for listening and downloading this podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen. That could be on iTunes or anywhere else. And uh, let me know if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or maybe someone that you'd like me to interview. You can reach me at laurel at laurelthompson.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N. And that's also my web address, laurelthompson.com, where you can read up about me and explore some of the other things I get up to besides hosting this podcast. There's a blog there and various articles I've written for Strings Magazine, as well as some multimedia guides to string playing technique. And I teach both online and via Skype. So if you're ever interested in connecting with me that way, please send me an email. I'd like to especially plug today a tour I have coming up in New England in November 2015. I'm going to be in Massachusetts, around the Boston area, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, and West Virginia with my duo Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. You can check us out at danandlaurel.ca and view those tour dates there as well as via our Facebook page, which is Dan and Laurel. And finally, I'm also very excited to share that I will be launching a new multimedia educational guide series, this time tackling complete vibrato mastery, which is quite the topic. Um, It will be available within the next couple months. And if you're interested in learning more and um, being, you know, the first call when it is out there, then please send me an email, connect with me on Facebook at Laurel Thompson Music, or I guess best yet, um, go and sign up for my mailing list on my website. So I'll be sending you off today with this beautiful tune from Patty's 2014 CD Milestone. And yeah, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of this song. However, it's gorgeous. And I think I do want to learn it. So I'll have to put that on my list. I hope you'll download the rest of Patty's CD, maybe some other CDs as well. And I hope you have a great day out there. Happy practicing.